Debbie Mann, and this is Keep Your Pet Career Podcast. And my guest today is Carolyn Parks. Hi, Carolyn. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I'm really enjoying doing it, and I'm thrilled you're willing to do this with me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I think it's a fantastic idea. Thank you. When did you discover your breast cancer? Well, it was about, it was just over four years now. And I had always had very fibrocystic breasts. The right side was always lumpier than the left. So I was kind of got used to that, having that. But at the same time, I was always just a little bit worried about the lumpiness on the right side because I couldn't navigate the terrain very well. (laughs) Yeah. I was at a store one day and I was changing, I was returning a dress or changing out of a dress and my arms were over my head as I was in the change room and I was trying to wriggle out of the dress. And as it was coming off the top of my head and I was looking in the mirror, I could see that my breast on the right side, that always lumpier one, looked to be larger at the top. And I don't, I am not a big chested person at all. I'm almost, you know, I'm very, very small. And I saw, but I saw a swelling, like, like it looked rounded. Uh, And I just thought, well, that doesn't seem right. That's not my, the topography, right? And so then I called my doctor and set an appointment and I went in and he, you know, he felt there and he said, yeah, I do agree that I do feel that there's more there. And he said, but he wasn't terribly concerned at that point because he just knew that I had lumps and bumps. So then he sent me in for an ultrasound and a mammogram at uh, our local breast center. And I, I went in and two days later, I got a call that I, they were pretty sure I had breast cancer. So that's, that's how it happened. Did you, did they deliver that over the phone? Well, when I, well, I've been seeing my doctor for so many years that when my doctor's office called, the nurse did tell me, yeah, she did. And I think it's just because she knew me so well. She knew that I was going to be very worried about it. And so I know that's not very regular. Most doctors are going to call their patients in. But in this case, they did actually tell me about the test results on the phone. Wow. Well, I guess there's a little bit of a blessing in that, that you're home. Was anybody with you when you were told? I actually was not home. I was on my way, to be honest with you, I was on my way home from a field trip with my son, who was nine at the time, and my daughter was at school at that time. And my phone, my cell phone rang and I was, I knew it was the doctor's office. And of course, I'd been very worried over the last few days waiting. And I pulled over into a parking lot and I answered the call and he was right there with me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he was not going to be the support to me. Right. On the other, really, I was actually, it's really too bad he was there because I was, you know, wailing and crying and all that kind of stuff. When I I heard the news, I was absolutely terrorized. And he probably, he just stared out the window because I think he just didn't know what to make of me at that point in time, to be honest with you. Yeah. Right. Oh, gosh. How the ways we discover this all so different. Like yes, how, that, we, yes. how we discover breast cancer and how we're told. Absolutely. There's no one similar story. No. Well, there's a lot of similar stories, but there's a lot of stories that aren't unusual like yours. So did you have to go for any biopsies? So what was the next phase for you, the next step for you? Well, yes. At that point, they. I'm trying to remember the order of things. I think... At that point, yes, they ordered up the biopsy, but what it was was an ultrasound-led biopsy. So when I was going into the hospital there, I was going to be meeting with the surgeon and going through the biopsy. I mean, they, yeah, they, well, I, you know what, to be honest with you, Deb, I actually can't remember exactly what happened, but I do know that we had the biopsy 
and we got the results and that, of course, it was confirmed cancer. And I just can't remember if that happened the exact same day as I met with the surgeon at Freeport or or what have you. But um, because it all kind of comes at you in a barrage, right? It blends in, right? It all... Yeah, it it really does become just one long blur of heightened trauma and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of cancer did they diagnose you with? Well, I had uh, IDC, which is, you know, ductal... Uh, ductal cancer, and which is about 75% of breast cancers that women get. But I was, uh, had my specific type of subset of cancer was hormone positive and HER2 positive. So I'm sure you've talked about all the different kinds on the podcast. And, you know, there are so many subtypes and you learn that breast cancer is such a differing disease depending on the type you have. And so I had both hormone positive and HER2 positive ductal cancer. Is it estrogen positive? Yes, it was a hormone positive. So it was estrogen positive. Uh, It was progesterone positive as well, but very low positive. Okay. So I was mostly estrogen positive. And also it was locally advanced. So it was in my lymph nodes by that point too. It had grown very fast. So what happened? Did you, so what was your treatment? Did you chemo, HER2? Yes. Um, because of my type of cancer, because of a lot of things, the grade of the cancer, because of my age, but mostly because of the type, chemo came, came first, which is kind of becoming a standard, right, for a lot of cancers that are after stage two. Mm -hmm. And so I went in for eight rounds of chemo every two weeks, and it was called dose dense. So meaning a lot of us would have got dose dense, meaning they give you, you know, big dose every two weeks. And after that, then I had the surgery, and then I had the radiation. How many radiation treatments did you have? Uh, 35, you know, where I went in every week, and then you have weekends off. Yep. And I guess I just, at that point, to be honest with you, even though it was every day at that point, at least I was feeling like, okay, it was actually kind of um, nice to go on autopilot for a while. So I actually wasn't terrified and I, I didn't have such a bad reaction to the radiation. I wasn't getting too red or too burned. So for me, it was just like a routine thing. I went in every day. What kind of surgery did you have? I did have surgery after the okay. chemo. Yeah. So they, I had a, ratify, a radical modified mastectomy. So they took off the entire breast and they took out as many lymph nodes as they could. Okay. As, as many as they could see, they just took out. Okay. Again, being very aggressive the, with the treatment. You didn't have a multiple mastectomy. You just had... no. This- not three breasts, just one. Not three breasts, one. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, couldn't remember the term for it. There's a yeah, term no for it. bilateral bilateral mastectomy. Yeah, no, yeah. Just, the, just the right one. And I kind of went on my advice of the surgeon at that point as to whether or not he felt whether it was a, a great of great benefit to do that. I think for some breast cancers, they would say yes. Let's take the both. It depends on the behavior of the cancer and their experience with that. And it depends on the person too, because I, I yes. know a couple of women I've talked to is they just, they just said, yeah, let's just do them both. That's right. I'm not going to go. And one of our teammates, she just decided both and yep. she just didn't want to worry about it after. That's that right. Her, it's right? just so. a very personal decision. And I mean, if you're certain types of cancer may have more of a propensity to go to the other breast. Right. And some people, if they're not planning reconstruction at all, they might say, let's just take them both. And they don't mind going flat, right? right. It really depends on, right, like you said, the person. And did yes. you have reconstruction? No, no. no. I'm, I, like, as I said, I'm very small breasted. So for me, it didn't feel like, and, and the options for me were very few. Given my build, I'm, I'm of slight build. And I didn't have a lot of options for reconstruction that weren't going to be very, you know, very complicated, long-winded. 
if I had done this one, I don't know, the dorsal whatever procedure where they, they would have cut into my back muscle and I would have lost strength and use of the back muscle for doing a heck of a lot. And I thought, no, that's not worth it for me. You know, I've had my children, I'm married, I'm 51 and I did, and I'm small chested. And I thought it's not going to make a big difference to me. Whereas a woman who has large chest, that could be problematic for her. I mean, if she's missing one breast and she's got a large breast on the other side, I mean, I could see why that person would maybe want to go as well as life stage and where they're at. Right. kind of. Yeah. How were you with it though? How was your whole, during your treatments, your outlook on all of this? Outlook. Well, you know, I, I want to venture into this conversation carefully because everybody's different. And yes, I, I, think the important, I think the important thing to note is that no matter what, we're all different and any way we are is okay. So I was very, very traumatized by the whole thing. I did not go through it like, let's fight like a girl and all that. I didn't have that kind of lingo, but I respected that other people did that. I just really was honestly, Deb, a complete wreck for uh, some time. I mean, I was in a panic. I, my children were nine and six at the time. Not only was I concerned about losing my life, but I was concerned about my children losing their mother. I was in panic. I would say I was kind of in panic trauma mode for a lot of it, not to mention the fact that I was learning how big it was. There just kept being this, there was a major earthquake and then there were all these after ripples, which were big too. Like hearing that they didn't think my tumor was shrinking. I mean, it was, for me, I would say most of the treatment tour up and right up until the end of chemo. I, I'm not saying I never laughed, never smiled, never felt a little bit better, but the whole thing was like not great for me. But then, you know, other people go through it and they are, they keep actually the stiff upper lip. They're pretty cheery, but I've seen women like that go through the whole thing and then they have kind of a meltdown after, you yeah. know, we all handle it differently. And basically yeah. the way you handle it, is the way you handle it. It's all normal and acceptable and okay. And it's you. And it's like me. It's you. There's no me. there's no one way to handle this. No. That's what I've learned through cancer is that we're all so different. Not only is yes. the cancer and and our treatments and yeah. our surgeries, but in how we deal with it is all so different. That and, is very true. And I don't think there's a right or a wrong way and, and to criticize or judge. Like for me personally, I don't know who that other person is and how they deal with things. And, That's right. and honestly, honestly, let's face it, Carolyn, <laughs> we don't know how we're going to deal with tragedy like because that's a tragedy to get that kind of Absolutely. we're never prepared for how we're going to no. deal with that and it it was my nature i i couldn't stop reading online you know i was looking at the worst i was thinking the worst for a while uh, i was one of those people where i mean this gets into rallying the troops but i i did rely upon my family and my close friends to try and cheer me up and, and paint pictures of hope because I was drained of hope for a long time. I didn't smile very much, very often for, you know, a few months. That, that was, you know, at the time, it felt like everything was done. It felt like life was over, basically. And I also felt like I was walking in this parallel universe, looking through a glass wall at everybody else carrying on with their lives. And I felt like I was really walking through like some thick water and I had been immediately plopped into this different universe and that I wanted to bang my fists on the wall and say, bring me back over there. And I know I've heard many, many different illusions from different people that paint this in a very visible way to try and express this un 
you know, it's so difficult to put words to this kind of trauma. And so you, you hear a lot of breast cancer survivors and other survivors trying to find some words to paint a picture because it is so hard to put it tangibility is. around, isn't it? Absolutely. Like you, I broke down in tears when I heard. But my journey after is I was like a sheep. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not ashamed of it either, is this was what was prescribed and this is what I was going to do. Absolutely. And emotionally, I had my ups and downs. In front of people, I was optimistic and I was... You, I, you kept know, your the, pecker up. In I kept my pecker up. <laughs> <laughs> I really did because I, I personally found that this was just more of an interruption in my life. And that I had to get through it. That was one of my perceptions of this. What I ignored, though, was how severe, you know, her two is. <laughs> and so I, I'm kind of an ostrich, you know, head okay. in the sand. Yeah. Uh, too much information overwhelms me and not enough scares me. So I was kind of in that. See, that, you have a different personality I type. I do. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So that's what worked for me. So we're all different. And I learned, you know, and I, I knew this, but I really did learn it, is that really you just have to say, this is where I'm at and, and look for the supports that are going to help you given your personality type. The people in my life really got it. When you're going through that trauma, it's all about you and you don't have to. I mean, okay, it's a little bit different when you have children. You do have to hide some things from them and try a little bit, right? To keep, you got to try to keep the boat a little steady for them. But in terms of your peers, it's not about them at that point in time. It's about you. So there's that idea of the circle of, uh, I can't even remember what it's called, the circle where people in terms of their emotions, they need to dump their emotions outward in the circle and not inward towards you. And my family, I know, I knew that my family on their own would have been extremely distressed, but they never, they just never showed that to me. And they just gave me what I needed, which was positivity. Because I wasn't finding it from within, they were just pummeling me with positivity, telling me I could do it. That was just, people lifted me up. Quite frankly, to go it alone is really hard. Yes. And, you know, and not everybody needs a lot of people, even if it's just one person. If you're an introverted person, private, but just you need to find your tribe who's gonna give you exactly what you need because you're the center of the circle. And, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a term in another group of belong to, and it's, um, we'll love you enough until you can love yourself. And it's, oh. it was kind of like that for you. That's beautiful. Isn't it? That is, you, know, you know what? You almost bring tears to my eyes because that's exactly how it really was. I needed the people around me to basically put me on their shoulders and hold me. Yes. And, and, you know, that's what I, I needed. And if so, some people may not need that, I believe personally that everybody needs it to some degree. It just might be a much more limited thing and other people might need more in terms of more people or more support systems. Right. Again, like you said, Deb, nothing is wrong. And it's just, but finding the support that I needed was really, really important, yeah. obviously. Did you attend, did you go to any Hope Springs? Did you do any of that or? My friend, Karen, who we've talked about, a, the most wonderful person ever, shining beacon of light, invited me to Hope Spring a few times to attend yoga with her. Mm. And she was one of those absolutely radiant, positive people. And so I went with her a few times and I didn't really attend anything else at Hope Spring after that. Here's another quirk of the way I was. You know how we have Wellspring, our local fit program for yep. people who have had cancer. Most of the people I know who've had cancer went through WellFit, 
That's the name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wellfit. And you know what? I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go there. And it's not because I didn't want to do anything fitness wise. I was so traumatized from the whole thing that I didn't want to be around. I didn't want to go to a cancer program. I wasn't accepting. I was having, I was wanting to run and hide away from it. I mean, I, Googled everything and I researched all the stats out of absolute terror. But at the same time, I didn't want to be indulging in all those services. It made me, it, it, I don't know, it traumatized me further, which is yeah. very strange. And so I went about my normal Pilates with my teacher. I had some private classes. I just couldn't do some of those things, even though I think it's phenomenal for so many people. Yeah, it really is. Depending on what it is that speaks to you the most, that's the nice thing. I agree. I, I really believe in that. I don't believe one size fits all because what yes. works for me doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for the next person or you. And That's correct. And again, cancer taught me that again as well. It was because uh, I used to believe got to come here because blah, blah, blah. well again yeah, i know no i don't have to no, <laughs> no you don't have to you no nothing to. you don't have to do anything there is At no all. prescribed route how yet. long did it take you to recover you said it's four or five years ago so are you talking physically or yeah and physically yeah physically i had very solid quick recovery um i bounced back from chemo very quickly I bounce back from radiation super quickly. Like a lot of people feel very tired from radiation and it takes it, they say it could take a month or what have you. And you know, there's some people that just are still noticing fatigue levels a year or two after the one size fits all thing. No, no one size does not fit all for me though. My recovery was really very good physically. I, you know, in spite of having had cancer, my body, I feel, is a very resilient body, and it, and it bounced back from that kind of stuff. You know, and even with the surgeries, you know, going to Dragon Boat helped in terms of stretching out that area in the underarm, which had, you know, been operated on. So Dragon Boat was the fitness. That's why I joined Dragon Boat. I, I wanted to reha rehabilitate myself physically there. So, yeah, I was lucky. And I just want people to know that that can be the case for them too. Yes. And there's everything in between. And, and so, again, there are supports, you know, fitness-wise, talking to doctor about meds or, or just how to modify certain things to make life easier. So that's important for people to find out about what's available to them for those kinds of things. So how did you find out about the dragon boating? Actually, this is through the closed group I started on Facebook called Bosom Buddies. You know how I was talking about how I didn't want to go to WellFit because, you know, because it just kind of traumatized me further. And, and yet I started this closed face that that kind of is in my wheelhouse to start a Facebook group where people, women who've had breast cancer or are in treatment could go there and ask questions, get support from others, not feel so alone and yet not feel that they had to go anywhere. They had to attend a group, but just that place where you know there's a bunch of others. And so now I think there's literally over 70 members. But the thing is, a lot of people don't chime in anymore, but that's okay. People are watching, reading, and if they have something to contribute, when somebody asks a question, they answer or not answer. And some people post inspirational things. A lot of times it's just information or resources or advice on what somebody's going through. Mm -hmm. And so when I was doing that, and we're going back three years ago now, I, I was in my first year of having started uh, Bosom Buddies. I heard from what, you know one of our teammates and she wrote and said, do you think to me and said, do you think there might be interest from anybody in the group here for dragon boating? So that actually is how I became interested. And that's why I, I came out. 
Cool. So it's, it's through all these, you can see it's through all these little groups that we start to meet each other and you never know where it'll lead you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the exciting part of it is just sadly exciting through cancer, but the good news, sort of the good side of it is get to meet like-minded people. When did you join? It was probably the same year I did, 20... Yes, same, same year. So what did it do for you? Yeah. I think for me, a big part of it was the physical, was the just feeling active again. My body was moving recovering, getting stronger, which helps feed your soul and your spirit. So I think, and then being around, of course, all the wonderful ladies with divergent backgrounds, which was really neat and different ages. That was also feeding me too, because I felt like I'm not the only one. And here are some women here who have been out of this for five years and some more. And I just thought, wow, look at, they've kind of rounded a corner on all this and here they are. So that was encouraging. And then of course, getting to know various people and feeling that I've expanded my friendship circle you know and I don't really look at the ladies on the team and say these are women with cancer who had cancer and I, I now just see them as women who are mothers and colleagues and wives and daughters and sisters and, and volunteers and artists and builders and all kinds of people so it's like I just felt like I met a bunch of new people which was nice yeah it is true and they're very I thought I think we have a really great team I think our the women there are just so uplifting and fun yeah. and great ladies yeah. great oh yes ladies. absolutely great, great ladies and they allow us to be where we are when we are like talking great about team early spirit, nice yeah. yeah yeah and you even though it's a breast cancer survivor team what i liked was we didn't we would talk had a concern about a scan really was as you know it wasn't it hasn't been like 90 percent cancer talk we showed up and we got in the boat and you're doing you're moving your body and it was just about the the skill and the the movement the exercise so that yeah. was nice too yeah and the camaraderie i like the humor too though i have to tell you <laughs> carolyn <laughs> oh i know <laughs> if you can't have fun then what the heck keep saying that <laughs> if, if people heard what we talked about in the boat sometimes they may be a little appalled if they hadn't had cancer you know for no us. it's never that bad i'm the one i'm really the only one with the potty mouth so <laughs> you don't hear what's going on in the back. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good group. So any words of wisdom? Anything that you, anything else you'd like to share? I mean, this is a... Well, is a yes, I do have something else for sure. I started off talking to you about how traumatized it, I was, and I was in an extremely dark place. And I had to find my coping mechanisms. I had to find my supports. We've talked about that. And there are those. And you do somehow find your way through it. And I think, as one friend said to me when I was first diagnosed, she said, there will be gifts along the way. And there were gifts. And we just talked about one of them, right? Meeting new friends. Mm -hmm. And we will be blessed by some people showing us the most amazing support. And also, I think it's important to realize that I am in a much better place emotionally than I was. I feel, I feel a lot like myself. And I mean, I really do. I mean, obviously it never leaves me. It's there. Some wor I have worries. It can be triggered immediately. We all know that we yeah. all are in the same boat. Anybody in this world who's had cancer or a disease, like a life threatening disease. Absolutely. But so many good things have come to me. I'm not going to say just because of cancer, I mean, some of these things came to me because I just was ready for them at the stage of my life too. But there is the other side, you know, many cases. I mean, unfortunately and sadly, 
sometimes there's ultimately there is an end and that is very upsetting and tragic when we have to experience that with others and we worry about it for ourselves of your life thinking I'll never emerge I'm not going to live or I'm not going to emerge from this so it's pretty stunning when you metamorphize into a butterfly and you actually realize that there is light and happiness and you will smile again and you will laugh and you will tell jokes and you'll party and you'll you'll go on hikes you'll get together with friends you'll have barbecues you'll have parties and you'll do Zentangle, right, Deb? And <laughs> yeah. I'll do my art. I'm opening a studio. And I mean, life has been precious and good. And I mean, I still yell at my kids. I still get cranky and grumpy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like this perfect sunshine because I had cancer. But the thing is, there is more. And it's like, you have to realize that this is, this is a dark road. This is a fire and you have to walk through it. The only yeah. way to get, you can't get around it. So you just have to walk through it. It's scary. Yeah. And then, yeah. so hang on to the people that are out there and who have been through this. They're there. And a lot of medical professionals are very, very nice. You know, you will hear horror stories sometimes, or you hear about somebody who had a poor bedside manner, but I ran into so many nice nurses who are so caring, uh, uplifting for me. I, I had a lot of good experiences through the professionals who helped me. And the treatment, like you said, Deb, not everybody will opt for conventional treatment. I went that route because there are studies around it. I followed. Is it the best thing that will ever be invented? No. One day there will be treatments that are less hard on the body. But these treatments are the best we've got. And there's been a lot of advances in the last 30 years. So I I would want other people to realize that, you know, if you do opt for the conventional medicine route, there's so many advances and so much more they understand about breast cancer than ever before. I think there's a lot of positives and I'm sorry I didn't really, you know, in the beginning we talked about what my experience was like when I was diagnosed and it was quite awful. (laughs) But I'm not going to lie about that because that's what it was. And I don't want, I, that's just it though. It's not, this, this whole conversation isn't about sugarcoating how we were in our, in our, in our journey of this. It's yeah. about, I, you know, I just, for me personally, it's, it's, I just want people to know that it's not easy, but there is, like you said, at the end of it, when you come to the end of it, when you walk through the fire, there are a lot of gifts. Although quite frankly, when I was in my disease, somebody said that to me, like it was like a few weeks and it was like, really? yeah, they said there'll be lots of gifts and it was like, yeah. No, you don't yeah. I, I heard that in the beginning and I, you know, I heard the words yada, yada because I wasn't there. I couldn't process that. But when I look back, when I was getting towards the end and after, I realized there, uh, there were gifts. And the only other thing I guess I would like to say is that it is not really a linear path either. Meaning I went through all this. I don't know about you, Deb, but I would be okay. And then something would happen and I would you know, I remember two years ago, I had a massive meltdown and lots of anxiety. And so it's not, and some people may not understand that. They might think, well, you're through treatment. Look at you. You look fine. Oh, you look fine. Well, it's I like, don't you feel know what? fine. Yeah. We've been through a lot. Your body isn't the only thing that has gone through hell. You, your soul has been through something serious and healing takes a very long time. And it's not always a solid straight trajectory. Usually it's not. And so, yeah, things can trigger you and make you feel a setback and make you feel like you're losing your mind again. And then it's important to do it all over again and get the supports all over again. So I think that's one thing I would pass along to people too, is don't feel like what's happening to me that I'm not feeling better. And it's like a year later, there's no timeline. 
to this. No, nope. Yeah. And there's a grief too. I mean, I think there a lot a of people don't understand that there's the grief process and there's Absolutely. seven stages of grief. I think we all go through them in order yes. from, from discovery to where you are now. And there's nothing saying that you're not going to grieve something tomorrow that That's right. is related to cancer. I think it's just allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to do that and to just That's right. through it. Yeah. And if people don't understand, the people who are important to us will understand. And sometimes it might be an explanation too, to yep. say, this is how trauma works. I mean, it's not something that ever actually leaves you. You might be able to process it and sort of live with it as a, it might lessen in its severity, but it's, it's something that resides in you for always. And so if I'm having a down day and I'm crying, then that's what's happening, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. glad you said all that because I think that's important to know. I think people just have to, I don't even know what the words are. We when, we, when we discover whatever it is, cancer or whatever it is, to be gentle with ourselves. Yes, be gentle. And if this means medication as well? Absolutely. I read this. 85% of women who have been through breast cancer, and I'm sure this is with a lot of cancers, end up on anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication. It's fine. And it yes. might be necessary. My, my doctor prescribed trazodone to me that the same day he gave me the diagnosis because he said it'll help you sleep. And it's like, okay, you know. I take trazodone. I'm going to tell you right now, I take a little wee bit of trazodone. My goal will be to get off of it. But I'm a very, on a very low dose anti-anxiety. I'm very open about that. And I'm staying on it because I'm worried that if I go, it's very low dose, but I think why bother getting off of it? right now because I just want, I don't want to even rock that boat. And I do also, because I had major insomnia, now I, cancer didn't result in the insomnia. I was already becoming a fussy sleeper. And I think when cancer happened, after that, I seemed to get worse because of, I think, not only just maybe my hormonal changes in my body aging, and also because of the mental aspect of how it had affected me. That just seemed to be where it ended up was on the sleeping front. So I still take a little bit of trazodone before I go to bed. And so these are things, these are tools that are there to help us. And yep. I'm, so I'm, that's interesting that that was what you were on right away. And yep. so I'm glad to hear that you had that tool as well. I did. And I took advantage of it. If, if we feel we can sort of wean off of them at some point and we feel we'll be okay. Great. Great. But if not, it's a, it's one of those, one of those supports, not the only support, obviously, but, yeah. but it's anyways, it's just, it falls in line again with all of our chat about support systems. And another thing too, is I'm not on any, what's the estrogen blocking Arimidex. So I, I chose not to go on that. I tried it. And Arimidex for me, I didn't have any of the physical challenges. Oh, depression. Depression. It hit me like, and I yeah. just, I went for six months. My oncologist said, okay, you know, I just want you to try it a few more months. And if it's not working, then I support you. My GP wasn't so supportive though. And he kept wanting, there was only one antidepressant that worked with Arimidex. And so I had to change that and it wasn't working for me. I decided, okay, I'm not going to do this. So he said, you know, this isn't such a wise idea. You know what the, you know what the outcome could be? And I said, yeah, well, my cancer could come back. And he said, yeah. And I said, yeah, but here's my theory is let's say I have five years. That's like 1,500 and some odd days of mentally being normal and being able to manage my day through my medication 
and I will have a lot of good days. Yeah. If I'm taking a Rivadex, I'm going to have 1,500 not so good days. And honestly, I choose, I choose the good days. And he said, when you put it like that, and I said, for me, there's no other way to put it for me personally. Now, that's not who everybody is. And again, it's your choice. You know, I have many friends who have said 25%, you know, 25% extending your life, I'm in. And it's like, okay. But for me, they had all the physical stuff. I didn't. Yeah, personal, absolutely personal decision because you can be, you can be a complete miserable, unhappy person. And, and, you know, if you're so unhappy and so, you know, suffering from so much mental health issues, it's, that's a, that's just not something you definitely want to live with. No, knowing you're going to live with that for the next few, several years, right? Well, it's, and it's for me personally, it's existing. It's not living because you're, you're not motivated to do much. And again, like you said, personal decision, but I I totally understand your thinking. You said we all have a story. We do. We do. Is there anything else? No. no, I think that you're doing a very good thing with this podcast. Thank and you. I think that hearing so many stories, people will find something that resonates with them. Hopefully, yeah. right? Yeah, hopefully. I, that's the, that's I, the point. Yeah, I hope so. This is Debbie with Keep Your Pet Girl Podcast and my guest, Carolyn Parks. Thanks again, Carolyn. Really appreciate you doing this. Thank and you so much, Deb. Thanks. Take care. Bye.